Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan. He's your host, Lucas Hare. He's your host, Kerry Shale. But he's our special guest from Mojo Magazine, Andrew Mayo. And you, just what do you do anyway? Ain't there nothing you can say? She'll be standing on the bar soon with a fish head and a harpoon and a fake beard plastered on her brow. You better do something quick. She's your lover now. Oh, scary. <laughs> You're channeling inner Bob there. It's Dude. dark Bob, isn't it? It's dark, dark Bob. Bob. Do not get on the right side of Bob Dylan in the And no, that's the, I mean, that's the Bob that you just wouldn't get in the path of, oh, isn't absolutely. it? When it the, on the, with the bad speed. Mm. Yeah, you know, yeah. All the bad speed well, coursing through his veins. The scary thing was, because you didn't do it speedily. Yeah. Like doing the words themselves, mm. hearing yeah. those words. Oh, oh no, because I mean, his, yeah, I couldn't do justice to his delivery it's kind of it's it's like a you know it's that dark humor it's like humor that's turned sour yeah. isn't it it's a you dagger know. to the heart oh really. but it, but it, but the thing is in that track she's your lover now it's a outtake from blonde on blonde yep mm. yeah it's 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 kind of like it is somebody unraveling but still thinking they're on a high and that's what I like about it. You can hear the the madness coming in. You can hear the kind of the the reason that he steps away from that world. And the other thing I like about it is that's what the song is about. It's about him looking at this world, this world that he's kind of created, this sort of, you know, speedy hipster boho world that has kind of grown up around him. And these, you know, these... Warhol factory type figures that have kind of become his hangers on mm. and just kind of saying, you know, this to, to whoever this guy is who, who he's talking to is like this guy who obviously thinks wanted to be him and wanted to be him by getting his girl. Mm. And then he's basically stepping back and going, take it all, yeah. take it. I don't want it, you yeah. know. And in classic Dylan fas- fashion, obviously, it's kind of targeted at the the girlfriend, the woman, you know, but it's brutal. I mean, there's, you know, that line um, is just a glorious line, which he, I think it's almost like he delivers it to another member of the, the group. It's like, you sit around asking for ashtrays, can't you reach? Yeah. yeah it's just it's brutal. It's a specific image. I, yeah. can, I can see oh, someone at a glorious. party who just yeah. kept saying, sorry, yeah, pass me, pass me. Yeah. And, and just one too many times. Well, it's kind of, I mean, the other thing as well, I mean, I love the song, but it's kind of, I'm very conflicted about it because also it reminds me of... Um, don't look back mm. and it's like i remember you know when i, I probably w- first watched don't look back when i was a teenager yeah. and i loved it and i thought dylan was hilarious and i loved his destruction of the cambridge science guy the chrysalis mm-hmm. records guy you know and i just and then i kind of years later i watched it and i just thought this is i can't watch this anymore yeah. it's just mean and it's cruel and you know i you know just kind of the you know give it to donovan and all that kind of stuff it's funny but you just see that kind of the power that Dylan had, that kind of knife-twisting power. He he got a lot crueler, I think, the next... The, um, oh, eat the document. Yeah, eat oh, the yeah. document, yeah. That, that thing where, you know the thing where he's in the back of the taxi with yeah. uh, John with, with Lennon? W- there's thing that really makes me cringe is when he says, you know, I know Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash is a friend of mine. Yeah. I thought, don't say that. Yeah. Because you really are friends. Yeah. And don't do that to your friendship. Why are you being, you know, that's... Well, but ooh. the other interesting thing about that is kind of Cash kind of saves him at that point because, like, Dylan is kind of in crisis and Cash is, the, you know, because wasn't, wasn't Columbia thinking of dropping Dylan mm. yeah, from the label? Right. Yeah. And Cash comes in and basically Basic. says, you know, kind of you you got to stick by this guy so i mean the the fascinating thing about the the film that we now call eat the document is that and this is why i like she's your lover now as well as seeing him kind of 
bitchy and cruel and on a roll. You're also seeing him in free fall, mm-hmm. which is kind of what yes. um, he, the document is like. Yeah, like the scene where he's outside the uh, the pet shop yes. and he's speeding and yeah. he's doing the word association yeah, and everything. Yeah. It's Everybody's brilliant. laughing, but it's yeah, it's it's terrifying as well. Yeah. And I think you know that's fantastic and kind of and then when you see the reasons for that shift, that move away from that world, that you know that he couldn't stand that close to the flame anymore, mm. it's kind of absolutely fascinating. I, you know? I often wonder as well about the the level of cruelty that was so much of his persona in the mid sixties yeah. about where that sits with him now. And it just happened last week. Um, I was directed to a towards an eight minute clip on YouTube from a two thousand and nine documentary about Joan Baez. Yeah, mm. which is interesting. But what's absolutely revelatory is that Bob Dylan is in it and talking straight. Yeah, and he talks about basically how he treated Joan Baez on in that the, the tour. Back, yeah, and how he's it's kind about of sorry. ten years older. Right. Okay. Yeah. And he says basically, you know, I, this was the time when my career was kind of exploding. Yeah. And, and I, I didn't, I didn't treat her that well. And yeah. I'm sorry. And I think you think, my God, that's the most direct I've ever heard yeah. him be. But it's lovely because it's so much part of his persona at that time. And it's nice to hear an older man say, "Yeah, that was just a phase. I yeah. was, I, what my behaviour was nothing to be proud of." Yeah. But I think that's it, man. I think if you, if you're interested in Dylan, you've got to be interested in the, the long tail, haven't you? You've got to be interested in the yeah. full story. I yeah. think if you just drop down at a certain point, it's very easy to go. Oh, I don't like that guy, you know. Mm. But if you see it as a grand narrative, which is what it is, mm. you know, it even the points that you're kind of you flinch from become fascinating because you know that the next stage will be a response to that, yeah. and you know, and then. So, so when did you get into the Dylan narrative? I, I grew up with Dylan. My brother um, is 15 years older than me, and he was, you know, sort of. RAF great coat wearing, long hair, you know, and the first two albums he'd bought were, um, I think, Bookends and the Freewheeling Bob Dylan. And I grew up with his records as kind of, I would pick out the ones that were like um, short stories. They were kind of like it was me in the same way that other kids would listen to, you know, I don't know, Dr. Seuss or something. Mm. I would listen to the long tracks on records. So I listened to um, Gordon Lightfoot's The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Oh, yeah. Um, Tam Lim, Tam Lin and Matty Groves by Fairport Convention and stuff like and and you know Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands or Bob Dylan's 115th Dream, the ones where you it's somebody it's somebody telling you a story. What do you make a Sad Eyed Lady as a what a ten year old kid? I listened to it because it was long, you know, and because I was kind of in the same way that you could stick on a side of a you know somebody telling a fairy tale. Yeah. And you'd sit there and they'd listen to it. And they wouldn't necessarily understand what was going on, but you'd know that this was but this I, was a voice telling you a story. Well, it's you know? interesting, though, because Sad-Eyed Lady isn't really a story, is it? No, It's, it's a huge character not. description. Yeah, yeah. So it's not even a story, but no. you're still into it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I loved... Because, I, I mean, who understands, you know, Matty Groves or Tam Lin when mm. you're that age as well? But you mm. knew that you were being taken somewhere and i think that's when i first came, first came to dylan that he was just one of those voices that i listened to who kind of i grew up with and i think because of that i then sort of fell out of love with him and then fell back in when did you, you know? fall out of love with him um probably when i was a teenager you know probably there was that sense of kind of i think in the early 80s 
Dylan was incredibly unfashionable. And I, mean, I remember interviewing Robert Forster from The Go-Betweens about this, and he was saying that's exactly why their album before Hollywood was done to look like Bringing It All Back Home or Highway 61 with the white frame and everything, mm. because they thought, who's who's more unfashionable at the moment <laughs> Bob than Bob Dylan? You know, because the stuff that he was bringing out in the early 80s, you know, it kind of just turn people away from him. And well, I, I remember think, being at school in the early 80s and being embarrassed that I liked the Beatles. You know, yeah. Fast forward 15 years, really? and there's no way you would have been Absolutely. embarrassed. Well, I grew, but, I grew mm. up in Liverpool, mm. and, you know, in Liverpool, basically kind of pretty much after the Beatles split, everyone just got rid of their Beatles albums and they held on to Sgt Pepper yeah. and the Blue and the Red. Yeah. And they were, the, they were the Beatles albums that you kept and you got rid of all the others. Mm-hmm. And there was that real... That I'm was, shocked. Yeah. Yes. And this, I mean, and, and, and Liverpool has a very conflicted relationship with the Beatles because the Beatles left. Mm-hmm. And all those bands that kind of came in the wake of the Beatles in the late 60s, they all basically became cabaret bands. You know, they became mm-hmm. comedy bands. Mm-hmm. And so Liverpool becomes this size of kind of stand-up comedy and cabaret and everything. And it has, yeah, it has a very damaged relationship with the Beatles. And it's only, I think, people forget the impact that anthology had on how the Beatles were reassessed. And because it was Britpop at the same time. Yeah, exactly, you know, crucial yeah. Time, isn't it? And they forget that before that, the Beatles were kind of like, well, you know, yeah. old people like the Beatles, exactly. you know. Exactly. And I think it's also kind of what, um, like Biograph and the and the you know the bootlegs did for mm. Dylan as mm. well. It suddenly made you realise that these albums weren't dead. That you 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 know that you could go back to them, or you couldn't go back to them, but someone in the archive could go back mm. to them and yeah. say, "But there's all these riches in here that he never released." You I, know? I remember when the, when the the Manchester Free Trade Hall uh, concert came out in the end of '98. I remember it being reviewed. Could have been in Mojo actually, mm. and 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 Bernard Butler was talking about it. Yeah, I thought, oh. This music's cool now. Yeah. Thank fuck. I can I can listen to you know, I can talk about this in public. Um, but there was a real shift, as you say, in the nineties with that stuff. And did you stop listening to his stuff in the eighties and then discover him again with Time no, Out of Mind? I think, like some people I think did? he was always there. Time Out of Mind was a big was a big album, yeah, because I think it was the fact that he was, you know, addressing his mortality, addressing his age, that you know, something had shifted, something had changed. And um, there wasn't a sense that he was hiding from anything anymore. And I think a lot of those albums before that, there's a sense that he was hiding in the production or he's hiding... I mean, because the covers albums, I think, are really interesting because they're kind of like... It's that sense of him going back to his roots and and going back to the well Mm -hmm. and trying to, you know, re... Because I think the interesting thing about Dylan is he's always had these crises, hasn't he? He's always had these crises of confidence. He's always had these points where Mm -hmm. the, you know, the writer's block comes in and he Mm -hmm. has to kind of re... He turns back the clock, doesn't he? Yeah, and and so it's interesting looking at that... um, those two covers albums, you know, where he mm. kind of, it's almost like he's read the Greal Marcus version of himself. Yeah. And he says, this is what I've got to do. I've got to become the Greal Marcus version yeah. because I'm not connecting with the real me. Yeah. And this, you know, this whole idea of, of who he is and where and what got lost along the way. I mean, it's one of the themes of New Morning as well, isn't it? Mm. Which we're hopefully going to talk but about. But before we you know. drop into New Morning, yeah. I just want to know what you're talking about covers. Yeah. Covers of Dylan's songs. No, what, I what mean, are your Dylan, favorites? When, oh, my, my yeah, covers. Or, or oh, least right. favorites. 
Um, oh, I tell you what. I mean, I would kind of accept that all along the Watchtower, Dylan is yeah, made by, by Hendrix, Hendrix is just you know. But um, Johnny Rivers' cover of Positively Fourth Street, <laughs> which is one of Dylan's favourites yeah, as well, no, yeah. yeah, from the album Realization, which is a great album. But I, I think that's just a beautiful version of that song. And is, I think, I've never heard the album. Yeah, it's oh, album. it's great. It's a great yeah. album. It's kind of a really good example of kind of uh, how those kind of like light sort of entertainment 60s singers went psychedelic. Mm -hmm. Not in a corny way, but in mm. a really convincing way. It's a beautiful album, Realisation yeah, by Johnny Rivers. He like Ricky Nelson, didn't he? He as was well. initially, yeah. But oh, sorry, Dylan liked Ricky Dil Nelson. Dil yeah, I think, yeah, Dylan yeah. was a big as, as, fan, big yeah. fan of Ricky Nelson, and those those sixties Ricky Nelson albums are really good as well. Mm. I think that was one of the really nice things about reading Chronicles and listening to um, Theme Time Radio Hour. Mm. You get that sense of kind of that Dylan was never a sixties person. He was always a fifties person, mm. you know. And he grew, and he, and he, but he wasn't necessarily a hipster fifties person. He wasn't kind of just into. Jerry Lee or Elvis. Into Frank, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. He was into Frank, and also, you know, and he's into he's into the young teen crooners. You know, he's into Ricky Nelson, and he's Johnny into Ray, jo think, yeah, Johnny yeah. Ray as well. Yeah, yeah. and uh, no, that's a lovely album because I think Dylan can kind of see the connection with you know one of those singers that he grew up with, then kind of drawing on mm. Dylan and doing something different with him, doing something fresh with it. A cover I really like, I don't even know you'd call it a cover because it's only 40 seconds long, is Elvis singing I Shall Be Released. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know, and just because he hears something in it, it's so poignant because it's still, it's Elvis singing about himself. The other interesting thing about that is that um, Elvis, whenever he was lost, went back to gospel. Yeah. It happened in 66, happened in 71, and he went into the studio and he recorded oodles of religious yeah. uh, songs to get back to yeah. where he was to, to turn back the clock and mm. both times he did Dylan covers yeah you know so they were they were I think I like to think that Dylan to Elvis represented was in the same arena as as God well, <laughs> you know it's really way. interesting because I was listening to um, Spanish is a loving tongue and that's Dylan doing Elvis but it's Dylan doing movie Elvis mm. not Dylan doing cool Elvis yeah. it's Dylan doing kind of pop 60s movie Elvis and doing it brilliantly he I was mean, doing that around the same time as New Morning which yeah we'll eventually exactly get yeah into. absolutely <laughs> yeah. and I think kind of it's interesting how these artists kind of you know that's one of the tragic things that you can see that line of connection between Elvis and Dylan yeah. and you can see that it could have worked and it might have happened you know and you know you think God Elvis with the band you know and Dylan mm. a bunch of Dylan songs it could have happened you know and yeah. I think that's one of the I think but that's one of the things I like about Dylan that's one of the things I like about um the bootlegs you get this alternate history mm. you know you get this other version of that album, you get, you know, an mm. example of what might have been. What fascinates me so much about <clears throat> Another Self-Portrait, which I know you said is one of your favourites, is that for me it's absolute proof positive that if he'd wanted to release a really good album instead of Self-Portrait, yeah. he could have. Yeah. And, you know, I know Self-Portrait has its fans and I'm yeah. not one of you them. You mean a really acceptable <clears throat> album? Yeah. Because I think it was a really good yeah. album, well, actually. I really yeah, like I, it. Yeah. I don't think it's but, good. And I, and, I, and I think that, you know, he, he willfully chose treacly um, songs with treacly arrangements when he had these fantastic things in the can like yeah. Pretty Sorrow and yeah. Annie's going to sing her song and this evening so soon but you've also got one of his I mean absolutely most beautiful songs on there Copper Kettle yeah, yeah. and yeah. also you you hear New Morning and you can see how he's drawing on those songs you can see how yes. they are feeding into it and how they are giving him 
this new perspective? Because I think one of the things that maybe we will start. Are we keep saying we, we'll, we'll, start, we'll talk in. about yeah. New Morning, yeah. let's but let's in. talk about it because yeah, yeah. one of the great things about New Morning is that shift in perspective. That mm. he, I mean, to me, it always feels like the first religious album from Dylan. But the religion is is Buddhism. You know, it's got yeah. that kind of, it's got that Zen perspective. They're mm. like, the lyrics are like Cohen's, you know, mm. and they're about seeing the beauty in the everyday. You know, they're about kind of observing tiny, unimportant things mm. and finding them special. And that seems like a massive shift for him. But it also kind of seems that it, he's drawn that from the songs that he was singing. He, you know, he's basically saying, I'm not singing about important stuff anymore. Mm. I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm, you know, kind of, I'm... I'm singing about the quiet life. I'm singing about nature. I'm singing about having, you know, having a lie-in, sitting by a lake. and But all these things are important. Mm. They're incredibly important to me. You've only just and made it, me aware that twice on that album he references fish yeah. in a stream. Oh, yeah, you know, exactly. I knew there was one, but I was thinking, God, there's two of them. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know. fishing and wild fishes. Yeah. yeah. And time passes slowly. And but they're, all, the they're pretty they're, darn weird, the songs, aren't they? Yeah. That, that float through the stream. Yeah. Well, that's what I mean. they float? What's going on? But this is it. So I listen to and I think of, you know, I think of um, Japanese poems or I think mm. of Buddhist poems because mm. there's that kind of crossover with kind of you, where you become one with nature or you just observe a tiny detail of nature that once you kind of separate it out from everything else, it, mm. you know, it becomes important. It's kind of the, I mean, the, the, the classic example is um, the lyrics to, is it... Um, Three angels, mm -hmm. you know, with the the U-Haul trailer going by and three mm. fellas crawling on their way back to yeah. work. I know. I was listening to it today, actually. The yeah. three fellas crawling on their way back to work, I thought, could be the three angels. Yeah. Because they're three guys yeah. and they're doing stuff. But the nice the nice thing about that is it he allows, obviously, because there is, you know, three angels is there, but he allows for that interpretation. And you think of the stuff that, I mean, it's, I think it begins with John Wesley Harding. Mm. John Wesley Harding is an album I love because they're like it's like a collection of short stories but they're short stories about people that he brings back from the dead so they're also like ghost stories and it's an incredibly eerie album mm -hmm. you know but um it is the way in which you know he's saying I'm no longer singing um you know obviously Dylan there was always a sense that Dylan was singing in riddles but the riddles no longer are so disassociated from the presence and so disassociated from american politics now mm. you know that that he's gone somewhere mystical and he's gone somewhere eerie on john wesley harding and i think with new morning he's gone he's still somewhere odd and strange but it's somewhere located in this you know new landscape that he's in this world of nature that he's escaped to but uh, one that doesn't seem to be in part of the world of nature is went to see the gypsy which is repeatedly but, about elvis but what do you is, make of that but it is mythic and it yeah. is a fairy tale yeah. and i think you know and it, i think the thing i like about it because the thing that i find odd about went to see the gypsy is people seem to get a bit bent out of shape in the second half of it because it no longer seems to be about elvis <laughs> but i don't think that matters because i think the world world that he inhabits on New Morning, it's like, it makes perfect sense that in the first half of the, let's call it a dream, hmm. you know, that it's yeah. a dream about Elvis. Yeah. So you go to Vegas and you see him in the first half of the dream, but then the second half of the dream you're taken somewhere else entirely. And it doesn't, you know, it could be that that dream of Elvis is what is what takes him there. Hmm. You know, so it, I mean, they, they, I mean, some of the songs feel like, you know, like Sign on the Window and they feel like waking dreams, but yeah, when to see the gypsy has always felt like 
both dreamlike and mythical to me. Mm. There's, I, I love it, and I, I would... I would hate it if it existed. Not hate it is a ridiculous thing to say. I'd <laughs> like it less if it could be nailed down to this was the the song about when Dylan went to see oh, Elvis. Yeah. And I think I that's why he's later denied that it is a song about Elvis. You know, mm. I think that kind of... The, this is an album that floats free for me, and I think that's one of the reasons it's such a joyous listen, that it is, it does have that kind of feeling of kind of that sort of hypnagogic feeling of you're just falling into a dream in the in you know by the side of the river in the sunlight and that's kind of the quality that it has to me slight tangent in that it's not the album we're talking about but i've always thought and no one's ever agreed with me on this so i'm prepared for lots of um argument but i always thought that the beginning and the end of foot of pride are about elvis I sang oh. Danny Byrd's funeral, the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. You know, and I can still see him in my mind climbing that hill. You gave yeah. me a mountain, you know, and all this. And, yeah. And, but because the, the thing is, Elvis was so important to Dylan. Yes. And he never addressed his death directly. No. Foot of Pride is, what, 83? So it seems yeah. to be about the time when he might be feeling he, he could say something about it. But as you say, this this dreamlike quality of Wincy the Gypsy is as close as you're ever going to get. Yeah. Other than that, it, there's just a teeny reference anyway. He did it yeah. in Las Vegas, and he can do it here. Yeah. Otherwise, there's no reference to yeah, Elvis no, well, at no, all. I suppose this is that he says, "Well, well, well," you know, yeah. which yeah. kind of okay. sounds like it could be yeah. could be Elvis. Well, I always figured, you know, that "well, well, well" thing. You know, there there's a story about how when Dylan, Dylan met Leonard Cohen, mm. and they there was basically a standoff like that. And yeah. to me, it's it reminds me of a standoff between two great men who don't want to give anything away, or two boxers. Who don't want to throw mm. the first punch. Yeah. So I'm not. I, I like very much the fact that it c- could possibly not be about Elvis. Yeah. And the end of it with the saw the sun come rising from from a little Minnesota town. Yeah. So you think so? You're in a little Minnesota yeah. town watching the sun come rising from the little Minnesota yeah. town. Or, or no, I don't know. It's all totally confusing. Yes. Andrew, Andrew but says you've... proof positive. The sun's rising was it was a dream. You know. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That fits really really well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think also it's. Um, it's Leonard Cohen's guitarist, isn't it? And I've totally forgotten who it is on this. But oh, yes. Of, uh, yeah. oh, yes, it's Ron Cornelius. Oh, he's so good on this album. Yeah, he's fa- well, I, I heard a story today. Yeah. Well, I found it on YouTube. Yeah. Ron Cornelius was being interviewed about doing the album. And mm. He said, Dylan came up to him and said, man, you nailed the guitar solo on New Morning. Yeah. If there's ever anything I can do for you, yeah. let me know. And so he thought about it through the rest <laughs> of the sessions. And he came up to him one day after his session and said, Bob, there is something you can do for me. Um, um, when every, everybody leaves today, yeah. will you stay behind? And I'll tell you what it is. Yeah. And he stayed behind. And he basically said, okay, you said you'd do anything. Right? Yeah. I've got a pillow here. I'm going to lie on the floor. I want you to sit at the piano with your guitar. And I'm going to ask you for requests. <laughs> and I, give me half an hour of your time. Just do play all the songs that I ask you to play. Would you do that for me? And he said he did. Oh, my He did God. for wow. 30 minutes. The nerve. I mean, the, the nerve. The nerve. Yeah. But actually, what's what sort of space Dylan must have been? Yeah. I mean, but he, he would, must have been in, in that sort of space where he thought that Dylan would actually agree. And yeah. he did agree. I think yeah. that's one of the things I like about this album. I think when you listen to it, it feels like Dylan is, a good, is in a good place. Yes. You know, there's that kind of... Um, do you know that Bobby Charles album? Uh, and there's a song in it called "I Must Be in a Good Place Now." Yeah. There's a picture of him yeah. sitting by a tree with yeah, a dog. Yeah. Mm. That's where I see Dylan. Yeah, and yeah. you know, making this album, I see him sitting by a tree with a dog. You know, and the sun shining. It's another Woodstock that's, album, isn't it? Sorry, it's another Woodstock album. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah Bearsville. Yes. Yeah, mm. and it's you know that's that's why I like listening to this album. It's kind of it, it's you know it comes through that Dylan is in a good place, and it's why like. Um, 
carry it. I've got a lot of time for for self-portrait because it's on the road to New Morning. You know, it's part yeah. of the journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's it's what got in there. You know, yeah. I think kind of Copper Kettle is basically, um, you know, as time passes slowly, you know, it's kind mm-hmm. of their, their related mm-hmm. songs and you can kind of you feel that. And um, the, the line in Copper Kettle about um, just kind of, Get you a copper cat, you know. It's yeah. Just it's very similar to it's him just sitting by the river Ex- making corn exactly. Mash, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With corn but it's, you know, but it's very similar to how he just basically sets up this kind of world that he's created on New Morning as well. You know, when I first heard this album, uh, I heard it when it first came out, and I didn't know very much about Dylan. I didn't know mm. the Dylan story at all. Yeah. And to me, it was the music. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and the music on the album is fantastic. Yeah, just absolutely. forget the lyrics, which is impossible. Yeah. But the music is just gorgeous. I mean, New Morning is so joyous. Yeah. The, the track is just the like, keyboard changes on, on Three Angels, you know. Yeah. Yes, and the keyboard oh, changes. Beautiful. Yeah. Is it Al Cooper? I mean, it must be. Yeah, it is. It's, well, it's an Al Cooper production, all, all, isn't well, it? All the really, yes, tough, yeah. I think. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Dylan, but Dylan plays his great piano, piano on it. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. But the, yeah. if, when Dogs Run Free, which I love, and I think uh, Luke may disagree with me, but I, yeah. I, I absolutely me adore it. I adore the piano on it. That is yeah. Al Cooper. Yeah. yeah, that is Al yeah. Cooper. But, yeah. I mean, yeah, because um, Al Cooper's nose got bent out of shape, didn't it? Because the, due, due to sort of credit issues, he's not credited as the producer well, on Bob that. Bob Johnston disappeared mysteriously. Yeah, yeah. And Showed Cooper up for like the first in. few mm. sessions. And, yeah, so he was contractually bound to be acknowledged as yeah. the producer. So he wasn't there. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Al Cooper produced it, but didn't get a producer's credit. But also, props to Dylan for keeping off the horns. Yes, you yes. know, because you listen yes. to those versions with the horns on yes, another exactly. self-portrait, yeah. and they don't work. You no. know, and that was Al Cooper's idea to put the horns on, yeah. and they just don't work. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's kind of, it it just feels too much. Yeah. The and there's, I, I love how kind of messy it is as well. Like, kind of, there's a point where Cooper almost like plays the intro for Dylan to come in about three times on New Morning and he doesn't come in. And so and it sounds like the record skipped or something. You know, you yeah. go, okay, okay, he's coming. And then he comes in. But I love that because, I mean, for once, the the messiness fits. It's kind of, you know, it's the feeling that everyone's slightly, you know, bombed on cider or something you know it's slightly stoned but not in a bad way it's kind of hazy Mm. and dreamy and so when it is a bit messy Mm. and they kind of you know play over each other whatever i just think it totally works yeah i also love that we're talking about his his lifestyle and the things that he's embracing i love that in in a song like sign on the window yeah when he's talking about you know marry your wife catch rainbow trout yeah have have a bunch of kids that call, call me pa. Yeah. He does not say that sure is what it's all about. Yeah. He says that must, must be what yeah. it's all about, which hints to me that he hasn't quite found no. it yet. And I it is th- tugging in two different directions. He does sound incredibly placid and happy, but he also knows that he's still got to go somewhere. That's a really important point, yeah, that it's still... And I think that unresolved nature to the record is what is also what makes it great, that there's still something out of reach. Yeah. It's not smug. no. It's not complacent, you know. It's not kind of look at me, chaps. You I've know, got a dog in a yeah, big house. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't none of that. live in a big house in the country. Mm. Yeah, it's not that at all. No, it's moved on from Nashville Skyline, which I which I love. Yeah, but it's a super relaxing album. It yeah, doesn't yeah. have a lot of ambiguity. Yeah, whereas this is just chuck full of ambiguity. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I always also there's you know my, some of my favorite albums. There's there's always a song I forget is on there. Yeah, and, and it's things like Yesterday. I always forget Yesterday is on Help. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This helps really good without Yesterday. 
I always forget the man in me on this, and I love the oh, man in me. It's great. But it always catches me off guard. And I go, yeah. oh, yeah, there's this one as well. I know. It's wonderful, isn't it? And kind of, I think we were talking about Dylan being relaxed. The fact that he is now, and again, I think this is a, you can feed this, you see the, the influence of self-portrait here. The fact that he's now free, free to just sing la, 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 la. Exactly. You know, yeah. it's like I'm yeah, Dylan, yeah, yeah. And here I am just singing la 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 yeah, la la la. Because the know? music is beautiful. There's, yeah. a, there's a cover, I don't know if, you, if you've heard it, by the Persuasions. No. It's, a, it's on this great covers album called Black America Sings Dylan. Oh, okay, terrible right. Title, yeah. Brilliant. And, yeah. it's, and because of the la la la's, yeah. they're able to sing sort of doo wop. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, it's, gorgeous. It's such, such a beautiful tune. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Have you ever heard the rumour that the version of If Not For You on All Things Was Pass, which was only released about a month after this album, yeah. that that's Dylan on harmonica? That is what I've read, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the kind that. of and Harrison was there for a bunch of, bunch of sessions, he was, wasn't well, he? Did he did yeah. work on a guru, right? Exactly, yeah. If Not For You and uh, yeah. Yesterday. Yeah. 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 It's interesting that they didn't include something like Working On A Guru, which obviously isn't it's totally finished. Unfinished, but, yeah. But because he does really, this all... Everything works on New Morning, doesn't yeah. it? It's all part of the same thing. Absolutely. And the other thing, I mean, we haven't talked about um, the last track, which is really interesting, Father of Night. Mm. Because if if we're saying that this is kind of the first religious, if I'm saying that this is the first religious Dylan album, that's, I think, I'm right in thinking that's his interpretation of a Jewish prayer. That's what they say, yes. Yeah. They, yeah. And so, you know, that kind of seems really interesting in that context because also what little I know about the Jewish faith, you know, that sense of kind of that it's about examining and re-examining things and not coming down onto a fixed meaning. It's about sort of debating texts and all that kind mm. of stuff. So, I find, you know, I do find that really interesting that there's just that kind of, Mm. That freedom of meaning in that album. Well, I remember when I first heard that Father of Night. Yeah. I thought, right, so he's addressing the Father of Night. And he's mm. saying, Father of Night, you're this. Yeah. And you're this, 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 and you're this. And I thought, so when are you, when when are you, you going to talk about the Father of Death? Yeah, yeah. When are you going to just <laughs> get, go yeah. on? You yeah. Know? But that's the whole song. Yeah. Yeah. It also ends really abruptly. Yeah. yeah. When we we've heard that it's the last song on and suddenly yeah. it's gone. And you think, yeah, oh, it's okay. about like a minute and a half or something, isn't it? Yeah. 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 No, it's it's very mysterious. We've also not uh, spoken about uh, Day of the Locusts. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah. Which, I mean, so much there. is the one that's kind of got the most specific meaning attached to it, yes. isn't it? Yeah, yes. and it's kind of... Um, is, is what... Uh, what was he presented with? It? Honorary degree. Yeah. And uh, David Crosby was the man standing next to him whose head, head was, was exploded. Of course. Well, was, my my yeah. theory now, because I, I did some reading about it recently, and uh, they smoked some very strong dope. David yeah. Crosby's very strong dope on the way. Mm. So they were blasted out of their heads. Yeah. And, you know, you mm. do get really paranoid. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, he, and then he heard them say, more or less... Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the voice of a generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, Flipped talk out. about a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. But it was something even weirder, because it wasn't it like kind of the chronicler of the dark American heart or something daft like that. Yes, you it know, was something yeah, poetic really and awful. Po yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you, yeah, and it's interesting in the context of that album because it's, because it's him within nature... But all this horrible stuff that he's tried to escape and yeah. get away from is going on. Yeah. You know, so... Tears you, and perspiration. Yeah. And so you can see why it's there, because it's like kind of, okay, 
you know, and they go. Where do they return back to? Is it, they return back to the Black Hills of Dakota. Black Hills of Dakota. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which again is uh, as well, I was reading Michael Gray today on it, and he yeah. said, you know, don't forget the Doris Day song. Yeah, the Black Hills of Dakota. I watched it today on YouTube. Yeah, my God, it's awful. It's, <laughs> it's bone shiveringly awful. Yeah, you know, it's her and I think Howard Keel singing this yeah. dreadful and talking about the Black Hills of Dakota being Indian country. Yeah, you know, but they took it from, from you know in a friendly way from yeah. And everything about it seems to be wrong, but it sounds beautiful, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely, it does. And I and I think that's why it's there. And I think it is him, because again, it's Dylan escaping back into the 1950s, isn't it? You know, yeah. he's escaping mm-hmm. back into that a world where he feels safe, which is what self-portrait is. You yeah. know, it's these with these songs, I feel safe. You know, they're, they're, they're songs of childhood and they're songs of kind of, you know, they're folk songs, they're songs mm-hmm. of comfort, you know, a lot of the stuff on there. So I think that's what it's, that's always what I've thought it's about. And I think it's really key that you have him you know as on the one hand surrounded by nature but on the other hand this kind of that they are you know that he makes them these consuming insects you know because yeah. apparently they weren't locusts no they're cicadas they were cicadas mm. but he calls them locusts yeah, and I think locusts are scary oh absolutely yeah. and I think that's key you know that yeah. just they're, they're devouring well, insects too, aren't they, they? Yeah, of course yes. thank you yeah. yeah biblical but I also yeah. think, like to think it's a gentle critique of academia in, oh, in, in, yeah. in the way that the professor's verse from Ballad of a Thin Man does the same thing you know yeah um, no, no, but never trust academics, you know. Mm. Well, it's not so gentle, actually. <laughs> well, no, but I mean, he he, he criticises the, the the ritual rather than, than I mean, I yeah. think he, he goes for the academics far more in Ballad of a Thin Man. What do we think? Uh, we haven't we talked a little bit about if dogs run free, but uh, did you know that Rolling Stone called it one of the ten worst Bob Dylan songs yeah. of all time? Very, I, or wait, maybe, or was it, was it really, Rolling so Stone much. or was it Rolling Stone readers? I don't know. I, I don't but, know, but yeah, that's it, it's just nuts. Oh, it's, it's, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely lovely. And I also think that it's got that jazz feel that it has, which I think, again, was, um, was that from Al Cooper playing some mm, kind of, you yeah. know, jazz on the piano or whatever, you yeah, know, yeah. that it's, again, there's this delicious unraveling that the album has. And I think Dogs Run Free has that, but, you know, mm. both in, you know, if dogs run free, and why can't we? You know, that sort of why can't we just be this free? But the 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 jazz scatting vocals has that kind of glorious unraveling. Mm. You know? Maretha Stewart. Maretha yes, Stewart. Yeah. yeah. But it's also if dogs run free. Oh, it's yeah. Always oh, going to be yes, a question. Yeah. He doesn't say that dogs run yeah, free. Then yeah. why can't we? You know? Yeah. But yeah. if they do, yeah. And the best is yet to come, which turned into a, a, a track on Triplicate, didn't it? The best is yet to come. Oh, also, yeah. they explained to me. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. So Sonata reference as well. Yeah. Yeah. And we haven't talked about Brighton girls are like the moon. Oh, God, it's a beautiful line. Yeah. What, any ideas? What well, are Brighton you know, girls? He can't, be, just he can't, yeah, he can't be singing about the south coast of England, no, can he? I don't think so. And, he, and do we think he's singing about Brighton Beach, you know, in kind of, which is um, New York, isn't it? I don't know. Yeah, it yeah. was the Jewish area at that point. But, yeah. But it, that was Brighton Beach, not Brighton. Yeah, but if there's was, only one Brighton, I don't know if there's a Brighton in America. Yeah. There's a. You know, only our Brighton. Yeah, it's always puzzled me, and I always unless think unless of it's Brighton, just yeah. from you know, kind of it's you write down place names that you see when you're on the tour <laughs> in the UK, and you just think, what a be- yeah. you know. But like, is it, you is know, because like you know, it's like when in um, Don't Look Back, where he goes, is this place called Merseyside? Merseyside yeah. <laughs> you know, and he, after, and he, he you know he stresses the mercy. 
You know, and you just think, oh, he loves that. Could you know, mercy via Brighton to catch a ferry to the Isle of Wight the previous year? I don't. Yeah. Know. I mean, so is it is it bright? Do you think? And moon, moon bright, Brighton. I don't know. Uh, it's beautiful when he yeah. sings it. It's like it's like uh, hope it don't sleep. You know those lines that he puts so much into. Yeah. Well, there are also goes, both lines where you can really hear his heavy cold. Yeah. Which is I, I say that not as a criticism because yeah. A, I've got one, and B, I really like the way his voice sounds. Oh, me too. Yeah. But sleep. Yeah. God, it's fantastic. But it's a different. He's writing a different kind of lyric, and it is. They they feel they feel very. You know, they do. They feel like Japanese poems. They feel kind of very sort of. They feel like Buddhist koans. You know, there's something kind of. They're not puzzles to be solved in the way that mm-hmm. people previously approached mm-hmm. Dylan lyrics. It's mm-hmm. not. You know, I don't think. You know. I almost don't think the solving is there. You know that that you kind of if you if you give them an affixed meaning, you're kind of closing down some of the beauty. You know, I mean yeah. that that line is is beautiful mm. because you don't know what it means. You yes. know, bright and girls are like the moon. It's gorgeous. You well, know? actually, as you said, there's this Leonard Cohen, uh, Ron Cornelius, uh, yeah, uh, who I found out today when I was researching again gets a co-writer's credit for Chelsea Hotel Number no. Two. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a, and that's a big link. And as far as he was in the room as well, <laughs> was he making the bet? Credits, credits. Uh, but the limo driver. But it is kind of Cohen esque in a way. Yeah. That, um, you know, mm. uh, in in two ways, really. Oh, we we also we haven't mentioned. That it, I mean, at least part of the album was meant to be the soundtrack for Archie McLeish play, yes, that's wasn't right. it? Yeah. And just reading up on that, it sounds so odd that such a bright and joyous album could have come out of this play that just sounds like your typical kind of you know like the kind of thing that Barton Fink would have written you yeah. know kind I of, know because mm. New Morning was supposedly yeah. written for this super heavy mm. Archibald MacLeish uh, piece yeah, there's and a quote, time passes slowly there's which a Dylan quote which says that the play was dark painted a world of paranoia guilt and fear it was all blacked out and it met the atomic age head on and it reeked of foul play there really wasn't much to say or add to it you know <laughs> So it's like kind of, you know, as soon as he accepts it, he doesn't want to do it. So you do wonder when he's writing these songs and he's going, yeah, Archie, I've got these bunch of songs for you. They're not really going to end up there, you know. It's just yeah. like he's he's talked himself into somewhere that he doesn't want to be, you know. And he's writing himself into this brighter place. I wonder if there's a wider genre of albums that were meant to be the soundtracks for something, like After the Gold Rush. And yeah. Then, you know, but, but then it did, just didn't work out. Absolutely. You know? Well, Dylan's done quite a few of those, hasn't he? I mean, I think he started, you pardon the expression, Lady Lady to, was together m- through life. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think as a... Uh, but you could do... Lady Lady Lay was meant to be a Midnight Cowboy and he missed the Yeah, you could right? do a great compilation of, of songs that, you know, weird songs that Dylan did for forgotten films, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, beautiful songs that just kind of were meant for these films and the films aren't remembered remember than the songs are. Yeah. You know, a Dylan, a Dylan at the movies album as corny that, as that would sound. That's a playlist. Another yeah, playlist, Luke. Sure, definitely. Sure. Yeah, I'll, yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. that would so be great. When, um, should we slightly segue out into, say, best and worst Dylan albums as far as from oh, Andrew Mail's right. point of view? Um, I would put the best albums as Time Out of Mind, Highway 61, New Morning... Actually, I'd say, I mean, kind of that trilogy, Time Out of Mind, Love and Theft, and um, Modern Modern Times, I just think is incredible. Mm. And But also something that I feel I still haven't fully explored and can completely go back to as well. Mm. Mm. And I'm now, because I've 
after listening to New Morning, I went and listened to Planet Waves. And now I just want to go away and explore Planet Waves. And I've yeah. forgotten how brilliant it is. But I think I'd say, yeah, um, Time Out of Mind, Highway 61, Blood on the Tracks. That'll do, won't it? Yeah, yeah definitely. And, uh, any surprises for the worst? It's interesting because I think the the recent run of um, Great American Songbook covers is something that I never want to go back to, you know, and so maybe you could say that. Mm. And I think the bootleg series really complicates stuff, doesn't it? Because you can think of a period and you think, there's no way that anything good yeah. is coming out of that time. And albums that you would just expect that nothing of value yeah. could be found yeah. there. Mm. So I think it's always, you always have to be kind of wary when you're saying that about Dylan because you know that someone will turn around and go, oh, there was this amazing session that he did for this album that never got released. Let's, let's hear the bootleg series from the, the Christmas in the Heart uh, session, shall we? I'm, sure, I'm, sure I'm leaving a... town. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I don't, you know, and I don't want to hear the, the Sinatra covers bootleg sessions either. No, you well, know. I've, I've, I've I feel back... like they've already <clears throat> been reissued, you know. That's what we've been given. Yeah, yeah. I've yeah. gone back to Triplicate more than I've gone back to Christmas in the Heart or, or Together Through life though yeah okay here's here's a good one and this is maybe me asking you albums that people write off as bad dylan albums that you love well i always get very perplexed when people talk about planet waves is underrated it's never been underrated no i mean you know i think planet waves is is in my definitely in my top 10 yeah it's time for our together through life uh, argument although that was quite highly praised uh luke hates it yeah and maybe you do too yeah oh Okay, well, I'll, I, I'll happily defend it. <laughs> I, just, right. I just, I like a good old Tex-Mex, and I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's saying a hell of a lot, but I think yeah. it's fun. I'm sorry, yeah. I, I'm always trying to defend Dylan just I, having fun. It's like working on a guru, but Tex-Mex. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot there, but it's very tuneful, and I put it on a lot for fun. But I think, don't you think that your expectations of what a new Dylan album is has you know, constantly changed. Mm. So that, you know, yeah. that you, you know, you're not, no one is going to be the grill Marcus of what is this shit anymore, mm. no. are they, you know? No. And if you, and if something like um, Self-Portrait came out now, you'd find it absolutely fascinating, you know, and kind of, and so that sense of like, I'm not saying that's all you ask of a new Dylan album, but the fact that you can hear him enjoying himself Seems so important if that if you've been invested in Dylan's career all this time. That's true. You, just, you, if you hear a positivism and you hear yeah. kind of this, you know, I'm not saying it's enough for me, but I'm just interested in the fact that that's kind of that's good, you know. That's well, my, my biggest problem about Together Through Life is that it comes on the heels of modern times, which yeah. I adore. Yeah, and it's like with Oh Mercy record, and then yeah. Under the Red Sky, you think, yeah. well, it's going to be at least quite good. Yeah, and then you think, what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, Beyond Here Lies Nothing. Yeah, true. And for but what I don't know what's wrong with me in that I love the Muddy Waters ripoffs on modern times. Yeah, and it does my head in on Together Through Life. Yeah, at some point I thought, nope. No more. Come on. Yeah. But I did ask you if you like um, sort of a Tex-Mex accordion, and you said no. I, so, um, so it just that... makes me sound like I'm in a, it, it makes me feel like I'm in a cheap Tex-Mex restaurant, and it's, it's or, or the you know the Pizza Express. I know, but that, or something. yeah, I know. But it's got a bad rep in this country and in but the UK. But, but it's not. That's not where he's from. You know, he's yeah. talking about real. Tex-Mex. But I don't mind. I, 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 love, sort of yeah. I love the accordion on Joey. I just don't particularly like it on Together Through Life. But I, but as I say, I don't know why, because the, it's not that different from modern times. 
And yet, in my head and in my taste barometer, it's it's miles. It away. does feel lighter. I gotta say that the, the general sound feels yeah. lighter. Yeah. But and I, I suppose it's, you know, will we get another yeah, heavy, you know, d- d- heavy proper. or yeah? Because you know, maybe yeah, this yeah. is just him saying, kind of, you know, maybe all it is is now just you know Bob Excuse Dylan having fun on stage. Away, yeah, as Frank would uh, would say. But it's interesting, you know, because you were asking me about kind of my fave. Um, Obscure Dylan songs, yes. where we, we were talking about yes. that, yeah. and there was also that question of like, you know, what songs would you play to someone who hadn't really heard Dylan? And what's odd is that they're kind of the same list, you know, mm. because you you know that people fear that they know who Dylan is, and and that Dylan is kind of somebody who they've got, you know, it kind of like you know when Jude Rogers was on the other the other yeah. as a, a guest recently, and she was saying that she's had, she felt in her mind that she knew who Bob Dylan was and that she didn't like him. Yeah. You know, and then it takes somebody to come in and suggest these songs to listen to. So it was my favourite, and you may think these aren't obscure, so I'll, I'll run them past you, but mm. stuff, I think Dirge on Planet Waves mm-hmm. would probably be classed as an obscure done song. Mm. Dark Eyes from Empire Bur- Burlesque, yeah. um, Pretty Sorrow, Series of Dreams, yeah. and... Um, oh, no, I tell you what, I'd always play people who thought they didn't like Dylan. The songs that he's playing to members of the band in that Glasgow hotel room in 1966 oh, yeah. on a rainy afternoon. Mm. And I can't, can't leave, does she need me, yeah. I can't leave her behind. Yeah. Mm. Because nowhere else does Dylan's voice sound like that. It's fascinating, isn't it? Because it doesn't sound like Blonde on Blonde. It doesn't no. sound like the basement tapes. It's, it's so, well, it's never... so gentle. Yeah. And it's so sweet sounding. It's and wounded, also, the lovely thing about it, it's slight, yeah, slightly wounded, and the lovely thing about it is it's got a kind of... Um, sort of pedagogic quality to it because he's teaching it to somebody mm-hmm. there's a gentleness to the way he's playing it to mm-hmm. it's like can you know can you see what i'm doing here can yeah. you see where this is going and also because it's a fragment yes. you know in that sense that you kind of you're not going to get any more it's kind of like what we were saying about the um Elvis scene singing um, I Shall Be Released because it's only 40 seconds long and you're not going to get any more. Mm. But those little fragments of songs that he's teaching Robbie Robertson Mm. in that Glasgow hotel room, because they're fragments, because they sound so beautiful Mm. and yet so out of reach, and also because they're sung in a voice that Dylan never sang in again. Yeah, yeah. And I think, in a way, that's the kind of that's the beauty of Dylan that you know that you can go, you can keep going back into that world, and you can find these paths that, you know, that ended suddenly, mm-hmm. you know, all these paths that he follows through, and there's a sense of I, I don't want to know everything about Dylan. I want to keep discovering and keep learning things right up, mm-hmm. you know, until the end, and I don't ever want to feel that that kind of journey is exhausted is the mission statement of this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Is It Rolling Bob? Talking Dylan is recorded in the Arthur McBride suite at Lip Sync Studios. Engineered by Mark Langley-Smith and produced by Robin Guise. We're on Twitter at Is It Rolling Pod. Music is by Sam Hare. The angels play on their horns all day. The whole earth in progression seems to pass by. But does anyone hear the music they play? Does anyone even try? <laughs>